And welcome once again, my friends, to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. If you're left, you just ain't right. Uh, it is a Friday afternoon edition. Uh, and let's get into this uh, early here. Let's get into maybe the most absurd thing I could possibly present you today. <clears throat> and the cult of gun control... They've struck again. Uh, at Lid Blog, Warner Todd Houston, friend of mine, good guy, very good guy, very good writer, one of my favorites. <clears throat> uh, here's the headline College has student arrested. What was this college student doing to get arrest- arrested? Now, he is a picture. He is a white guy. He was not arrested for being a white guy. They can't arrest you for that yet. Uh, now, maybe if you're a conservative, had a conservative shirt on, maybe. <clears throat> but they had the student arrested for carrying a firearm. Okay, he was not carrying uh, any type of firearm you would think, you would envision. Uh, this wasn't a 9mm SIG. This wasn't a uh, AR-15. wasn't a 44 Magnum revolver. wasn't a 38 Special. No, he was carrying a musket. Because he was giving a demonstration uh, on the uh, war between states. So he apparently dressed up as a Union soldier and was carrying a, uh, a musket. And they had him arrested for it. Now the question Mr. Houston asked first, first is, how stupid are liberals? How long do you have, Warner? I mean, how long do you have, sir? This story answers that burning question for sure. A student was arrested by the University of Tennessee. Tennessee, a great southern state. So much beauty. And really, the the amount of, of history in Tennessee revolving around the war between the states, probably second only to Virginia, I'd say. And why would you have this kid arrested for just trying to give some living history? How stupid. Uh, he was spotted carrying a Civil War musket to be used in a Civil War demonstration. Uh, for you Southerners out there, of course, that's war between the states. Uh, according to the Daily Beacon, a teenage freshman named Brandon Dowd was absurdly accosted by the half-wit University Keystone Cops after officers saw him carrying his musket on campus on March the 29th. Uh, Young Mr. Dowd, who has worked with the National Park Service to portray a Civil War soldier, was gathering his gear to participate in filming a Civil War battle event. I'm surprised they haven't banned those yet. I'm sure they'll get around to it. Dowd also participates in fundraising to preserve Civil War battlefields. God bless you, sir. That is a noble cause and a good man. Too many good men wearing blue, wearing gray, died on those battlefields. They need to be cherished. Uh, They need to be treasured, and they need to be protected. And they need to be there to teach people. Uh, Dowd also noted that he has had the musket bayonet and black powder on his person or in his room all year and no one ever said a word to him about it well he probably never ran into a big idiot as he did on this day 
When they did dorm checks, they didn't say anything about it last semester or this semester, Dowd said. I walked into the building 20 more times with both muskets. The slow-witted school officials set an April 4th arraignment for the completely innocent young man. So you, you think, well, at least it's a case where someone said, well, come on, man. What are we doing here? Let's use our brains for a change. But no, stupidity must have its day, week, month, year, decade, century, eons and eons. Uh, the paper adds, in Tennessee, it is a Class B misdemeanor to carry a firearm on campus that is not solely for instructional or school-sanctioned ceremonial purposes. The misdemeanor is punished with up to six months in jail and up to $500 in fines. Carrying a weapon with the intent to go armed is a felony. <clears throat> but according to state law, which I assume would look out liberals you're going to be you're going to be triggered when i say this i would assume that state law trumps all they can hear is oh god he said trump oh my god my hands on fire um i would assume state law would trump this university law uh, according to state law a person may possess an antique or black powder long gun without restriction this is a long gun. It is black powder. Can we add one and two and get three at least twice out of five times, people? Uh, the fellow is 100% innocent. But gun laws aside, he's a dang Civil War reenactor. He's a living historian. And you learn some great things from these these people. I remember going to a school with uh, two gentlemen. And one was dressed as a Union soldier. One was dressed as a Confederate. And I think it was third or fourth grade kids. Kids of all races. And they were showing them different things. Of course, the kids were fascinated, especially the boys with the rifles, the muskets. Uh, and they just taught them so many things about the war and what the soldiers went through. And they were fat. The kids, their eyes were just lit up and absolutely fixated learning this history kids are sponges and that's a good thing <clears throat> uh the confederate soldier had a, a little doll on his uh chest area and it was a little doll and it was made it was based on a historical fact that uh many times southern boys who went to war they'd they'd been basically raised by what was called in a mammy, which was a black woman. And there was a very close bond between those two, obviously. And she would make one of these to give to the soldier when he went off to war to protect him. And he was supposed to wear it near his heart. And of course, if you told that story today, that there'd be a brigade of, of clueless left-wing liberals who were offended by that. Again, you can't teach history because some might be insensitive to people who are ignorant and stupid and can't figure out how to turn on a light switch most times. So they'd be offended. But the kids were fascinated with that. And he, yeah, I was so happy he got to explain it to the kids. This was probably 20 years ago. I don't know if that, that would ever happen today. Uh, we've closed our minds off to history and learning and, and uh, really educating ourselves we've totally the the thing now is just tear it down ban it burn it 
dismantle it, take it down, get it out of public sight, and let's all be ignorant. It's it's, it's a tragedy. Uh, but hopefully this kid will get uh, get a break here. There's no reason for him to be harassed because he had a musket. Um, let me see. Um, and Warner Todd Houston closes with this. This story proves that liberals are both extremely stupid people and abject liars. Yeah, I'd have to say that uh, is affirmative, my friend. Uh, let's go to Tulane. The Green Wave. Uh, Tulane is seeking a new employee. So if you live in the Tulane area, maybe you're going to relocate to where Tulane is. Uh, you might be able to land a job there. And it's probably a pretty, a pretty good paying job. Uh, Tulane is seeking a, quote, activist media scholar for a tenured position. So when you get tenured, you know, they really can't get you out of there with a crowbar and uh, who knows what else. Uh, but the uh, Gigi De La Torre wrote this. Uh, she goes to the Franciscan University of Steubenville. I've never heard of that college, I have to say. I guess I didn't know everything. I just thought I did. Uh, media studies professor says that activism is a form of propaganda, not journalism. Yes, absolutely correct, my friends. Uh, Tulane University wants to hire a, quote, activist media professor by this summer who has a background in the grab-a-vomit bag. You're going to hear some of these worn-out, left-wing BS uh, explanations of things. But they want this person to have a background in the, quote, lived experience of BIPOC or marginalized communities and explores the relationship between media and politics or social justice. In other words, a bunch of bullshit, if I may be frank. A successful applicant, what, what do you think you need for this position? Besides to be a, a just absolutely a super Karen on steroids. Uh, a successful applicant will have experience, experiences in fields such as critical ethnography, ethno, good God, I'm sorry, my mouth does this sometimes, critical etho, etho, ethnography, uh, critical race studies, cultural studies, disability studies, gender studies, and queer theory. Why do the queers just get a theory and not a studies? What are you, anti-gay? Or does queer even mean gay anymore? I don't even know. They also need to know have a, uh, a background in post-colonial slash decolonial studies. Boy, the hot chicks all go to that class, I bet. And or their intersections. People actually listen to this. And it, oh man, that sounds great, man. Ethnography, ethnography. Oh my God, ethnography is how you say it, I guess. I've never heard that word before. Ethnography. I'll say it though. <laughs> oh, my mouth has rebelled, my friends, and it is winning. We encourage applicants from scholars who combine research with creative and/or community-engaged practice. 
Uh, according to the job description, the college fix emailed Laura Zoe Humphreys, who is the chair of the search committee and an assistant professor of communications at Tulane University. She has supervised honors, MA and PhD, these related to media, uh, Cuban, Latin American, and Latin cinema and digital media and LGBTQ plus digital media. And that all is in relation uh, to media ethnography. So there you go. There's explanation ethnography. Uh, so she, along with several members of Tulane's media department, did not respond to two emails sent in the past week and a half. The fix asked Humphreys and the media team what type of courses this professor will teach and if they, they are to open to hiring a conservative professor. <laughs> yeah, right. The fix also asked who the ideal candidate for the job is. I wonder if they said Don Lemon. Uh, the job description says the university especially encourages candidates from historically underrepresented groups to apply. And it also seeks and welcomes candidate applications from historically underrepresented groups, such as BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, People of Color, Women, LGBTQ+, and those living with disabilities, as well as veterans. Uh, so they take all those freaks and they also take normal people like veterans who serve their country. Uh, the job opening drew criticism from DePaul University, a uh, media studies professor who said, this is activism. It's a form of propaganda. It's not journalism. Yeah, of course. This is a very bad sign for journalism as a field of study. That's from Professor uh, Jeffrey McCall. He told the Fix V email, it suggests that journalists should manipulate the public sphere, sphere rather, instead of reporting about it. Well, we've got MSNBS, we've got CNN, we've got CBS News, ABC News. Yeah, it's already being done. This is this is old news, kind of. It's just a new front for the old news. Uh, this there's not a current demand for activist communication professors at colleges or universities. If the demand increases, Professor McCall predicts it will diminish the news industry and cause a further decline in credibility from the audience. In short, more fake news. In fact, fake news on steroids. How sad, my friends. How sad. Again, that is from the College Fix. Gracias to them for that. Now, Team Biden. Team Mumbles and Stumbles. And if you wonder why I call them Mumbles and Stumbles, look at the record so far and listen to Joe Biden speak. Mumbling stumbling and let's talk about one of their biggest stumbles uh the absolutely botched butchered uh idiotic knuckle-dragging fashion in which they handled the afghanistan withdrawal i believe they did it on purpose because a they're incompetent b they don't care and see if they get a chance to make america look bad especially our military they're going to do it because the left's not friendly to those things. <clears throat> you want to know the real reason why recruiting dropped across, I believe, all the branches of our service? Who would want to work for the military now with Team Mumbles and Stumbles running things? Really, who would? When they're more worried about, uh, you know, somebody's pronouns, preferred pronouns, 
than they are the ability to be a good soldier, sailor, Air Force, uh, Marine, etc. From VictoryGirlsBlog.com, this is where I found the story. <clears throat> and here we go. Uh, Biden, Afghanistan withdrawal mess was totally Trump's fault. Well, let me see. I know Trump said he had a plan for withdrawing. And basically, it was for everything to be out. All the people we need to get out, get out, leave the country. The only last thing left is the military. All the equipment's gone. A force necessary to hold against any attacks. And you take everything with you to get the military out, and it's done. What did Biden do? What did Team Mumbles and Stumbles do? Well, they, they effed it up about as bad as they could. Which makes me think at least part of it was deliberate. And we got, of course, the scene was, I wonder if this was planned in some way. But it was so uh, reminiscent of the, the leaving Vietnam back when the Democrats screwed the South Vietnamese. Really wonderful people. Um, the South Vietnamese, not, not Democrats in Congress. Uh, and you had the helicopter taking off and, and South Vietnamese people trying to cling on just to get the hell out of the country uh, before communism took over. And remember the, the people on the, the airliner trying to get out of uh, Afghanistan. Remember that scene? So I wonder if that was done deliberately. I don't know. I know this administration, I believe firmly, one of their, their favorite things is, is to... Um, emasculate and embarrass our military and our country as best they can. Uh, but the fact is they will blame Trump for everything, uh, including the Biden administration's complete and utter mishandling of the Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, the White House released its congressionally requested postmortem of the Afghanistan withdrawal Thursday in a report that heavily blamed the Trump administration for the chaos. So the administration had a totally different plan, totally different strategy that wasn't even in office at the time. It was their fault somehow. Really? I, I guess it must be all the sniffing of young girls' hair by Biden. Is that Trump's fault too? Who knows? The left pretty much makes it up as they go. Uh, President Biden's choice uh, choices for how to execute a withdrawal from Afghanistan were severely constrained by conditions created by his predecessor, the White House report read. It then went on to give other reasons for pulling out, including America's goal was never to na nation build and saying the U.S. presence there had unclear objectives and no end in sight. I don't have a problem with getting out of Afghanistan. Probably should have done it sooner. Uh, because the mission of, of getting, you know, striking at the Taliban, the terrorists, we killed a, a buttload of terrorists. And good, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but probably should have been out earlier. But again, the, the common sense thing is to make sure you don't give, leave any military equipment behind. We left billions of military equipment behind, including weapons. And not to create a situation, a situation where we left a bunch of people who actually helped us. Afghanis who helped us, actually helped us. Uh, we left them high and dry, too. Absolutely inexcusable and evil. Now, let's stop right there, my friends. 
the author of this piece wants us to, and we should. The unclear objectives and no end inside is this hubris on a metric uh, ton level, given that it ignores the entirety of the 20 years of history of the U.S. presence in Afghanistan and those unclear objectives, including going after al-Qaeda and getting bin Laden. Um, guess who was vice president when bin Laden was captured and killed? Biden. They said that said for the Biden administration to point fingers and blame and blame Trump for their actions and the choices they made in the withdrawal debacle is arrogance beyond belief. A 12 page summary of events released by the White House on Thursday again attempts to fault Trump for the chaos, even as it acknowledged that the Biden administration has handled subsequent crises in Ukraine and Ethiopia for differently, far differently after lessons learned from the disaster in Kabul. So the team Biden really admits they effed it up. And they take credit for learning from their F up and that they're not effing up, at least they claim, in U- in uh, Ukraine and Ethiopia. But it's still all Trump's fault. See, it's, it's this way liberals have with they twist everything. No matter what happens, they're good and conservatives are bad. Uh, we now prioritize earlier evacuations when faced with a degrading security situation. Why didn't you do that this time? That's the question. Why didn't you do it this time? Okay, you've learned now. You should have known before, shouldn't you? Common sense? Good Lord. Uh the White House summary noted it withdrew some personnel at the U.S. Embassy in Ethiopia in November 2021, for instance, despite the vigorous objections of the Ethiopian government and evacuated personnel from the U.S. Embassy in Kiev nearly two weeks before Russia invaded in February 22. So they learned something they should have already known, something that is common sense. You don't leave weaponry. You don't leave people. You get everyone out. You have the force there necessary to defend the airport, and then you fly out. And I, I believe Trump added he would have bombed the you know what out of the airport. Good, but it was botched. Team Biden botched it because they botch everything because they are morons who care more about reimagining America into a socialist paradise than to do actually making America, dare I say, great again or remaining great. Uh, the summary itself is just an amazing read. Please make sure there's nothing available to throw or break nearby when you read it. Everything contained in the summary puts the Biden administration in the best light possible while blaming Trump and the outgoing administration for not giving the incoming administration any guidance, uh, which is a load of horseshit. Because most of the players involved in any planning for the drawdown and withdrawal were still there. Never mind that. If they can blame Trump for anything and everything, they find a way. And boy, howdy. With this, they did. And listen to this. While it was always the president's intent to end the war, it is also undeniable that decisions made and the lack of planning done by the previous administration significantly limited options available to him. Uh, that's what uh, spokes tools Kirby told reporters a at Thursday's White House press briefing. President Biden inherited a force of Af- in Afghanistan of some 2,500 troops 
That was the lowest since 2001. He inherited a special immigrant visa program that had been staved off, that had been staved of resources, and he inherited a deal struck between the previous administration and the Taliban that called for the complete removal of all U.S. troops by May of 2021. Or the Taliban, which had stopped its attacks while the deal was in place, would go back to war against the U.S. Kirby said the Trump administration failed to provide any plans to remove U.S. troops to transition security to the Afghan government or to increase processing for special immigration visa, uh, visas for Afghan allies. Some of the people that helped us that we abandoned. Except you can dem- dem- uh, damn well bet that the Democrat Department, Defense Department rather, did have plans, as I bet the folks at Nats, uh, National Security, the State Department, and others. So don't try to spin this as the Biden administration was starting from scratch. They didn't, and we all know it. Uh, Kirby also tried to spin the things that weren't as chaotic as we believed during the withdrawal, yet he went there. Uh, uh, Gerald Beer tweeted this, John Kirby, August 24th of 2021, those first few days, last Monday, the physical uh, crush and chaos, uh, and there's a video linked there at uh, Twitter. Uh, Now, April 6th, 2023. Two years later, almost two years later, remember he talked about those first few days, the physical crush and the chaos, yet April 6th of 2023, two years later, for all the stock of chaos, I just didn't see it. You said you saw it, Kirby. Maybe he forgot. Maybe he's just not that bright. Very sad, my friends. This is who's running our country into the ground. And for God's sakes, if you vote for a Democrat or don't vote in the 2024 elections, I may hunt you down. Every damn Republican better get off their ass and vote out Team Biden. I don't care who the Republican nominee is. If it's Trump, fine. DeSantis, great. Otherwise, I don't want to hear any complaints. You know what's at stake. Vote like hell. Vote like your country depends on it in uh, November of 2024 because it does depend on it. And now, my friends, uh, one more thing I'm going to touch on here. Uh, Mike McDaniel has a piece about the uh, the Trump getting arrested and, and getting charged. Some absolutely BS uh, kangaroo court, kangaroo charges. Uh, he, uh, McDaniel, who is a former police officer says, I've been refraining from commenting on the Trump case as I often do in criminal cases until more important information became available today, April 4th, Trump was arraigned and charged with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. All of those counts relate to the non-disclosure agreement between Trump and porn actress, uh, known as Stormy Daniels in her films. Stephanie Clifford is her real name over an alleged affair. What's interesting about that is Daniels actually signed a document specify specifically saying rather the affair never happened. There was no bang, bang for Trump, Trump. That's what she said. 
She sued Trump for defamation loss and is having to pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars for attorney's fees. What's also interesting about this indictment is it's 34 counts is the alleged offenses began on uh, Valentine's Day, 2017, and ended on December the 5th, 2017, about a 10-month period. What is the significance of those dates? Shortly, he will explain it. As regular readers know, during my police report, he writes, during my police career, I wrote many affidavits on criminal matters. An affidavit is a sworn statement specifically listing the crime or crimes by statute number and text a defendant is alleged to have committed. One can't just say this guy broke the law. It must provide proof of every element of those crimes. Without that proof, no competent prosecutor would ever charge a crime. In fact, had I submitted an affidavit that didn't specify each crime, McDaniel writes, that didn't provide proof to fulfill every element of every crime. My supervisors would have asked, where the hell's the probable cause? Such a faulty affidavit would have never been submitted to a prosecutor. If by some unimaginable oversight it was, any competent prosecutor would have asked the same question. Not only must an officer provide probable cause to believe specific crimes have been committed and proof the defendant committed them, that's the minimum required for arrest. Prosecutors must determine if there's enough evidence to prove the charges beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a higher standard than probable cause. This is not a procedural matter, McDaniel continues. A constitution requires anyone charged know the specific charges against them. That should be so obvious, no explanation is needed as to why that is. In other words, a police officer acting in good faith, lawfully doing his job, may make probable cause arrest on the spot or submit an affidavit asking for an arrest warrant on the same basis. But a prosecutor, a prosecutor may eventually determine that they can't prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt, or there may be other reasons why it's not wise to prosecute. For every prosecutor, their ultimate duty is to see justice is done, which means sometimes cases aren't brought even though the law is technically violated. There are very good reasons why no sane prosecutor would bring charges against a former president. And particularly not a former president, currently the front runner for his party's nomination for the presidency. <clears throat> Indeed, such, such charges are possible, but particularly when the charges <clears throat> are being brought by that former president's political enemies, it's vital the charge or charges be not only of the utmost seriousness but there can be no doubt about the quality and convincing nature of the evidence. Prior to 2023, no president had ever been charged with a crime. So here's the essential question he asked. Do the charges against Donald Trump rise to this level? Keep in mind, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, a Democrat, Socialist, Communist, Soros prosecutor, was elected on repeated promises to, quote, get Trump. Can you say agenda-driven, boys and girls? For something, anything. Let's examine the indictment and the affidavit and see. We begin with the first two paragraphs of the affidavit, 
Again, a statement of facts is an affidavit. The defendant, Donald J. Trump, repeatedly and fraudulently uh, falsified New York business records to conceal criminal conduct that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 election. That is the charge. From August 15th to December 17th, the defendant orchestrated... Pardon me. Pardon me there, sorry. Uh, The defendant orchestrated a scheme with others to influence the 2016 presidential election by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to suppress his publication and benefit the defendant's electoral prospects. In order to execute the unlawful scheme, the participants violated election laws and made and caused false entries in the business records of various entities in New York. Their participants also took steps that mischaracterized, for tax purposes, the true nature of the payments made in furtherance of the scheme. Also in the affidavit, this statement, the defendant caused his entity's business records to be falsified to disguise his and others' criminal conduct. Now, McDaniel notes that is Bragg's theory of the case, the basis for the charges, and what he asserts he can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So what's the issues? What are the issues? The 34 counts are misdemeanors with a statute of limitations of two years. On that fact alone, it is unlawful and abuse of prosecutorial powers to bring this case. The ability of any prosecutor to charge even one of those misdemeanor offenses expired on December the 5th, 2019. Again, December 5th, 2017, the clock started ticking. There were two years to bring charges. They didn't uh, bring charges. So the clock has run out, my friends. Bragg is, however, attempting to get around the statute of limitations by charging them as felonies by alleging the misdemeanors, 34 of them again, were used to cover another crime. However, nowhere in the indictment or the affidavit does Bragg specify what crime that might be or provide proof of any of the elements of that phantom crime. This is because Bragg is alleging that crime was an election law violation. Their participants violated election laws, all stemming from the Daniel situation. The problem with that is federal prosecutors reviewed the case before Bragg and refused to prosecute because there was no crime. The Federal Election Commission likewise reviewed the case and affirmed there was no violation of federal election law. Bragg's predecessor likewise refused to prosecute and even Bragg himself initially refused to prosecute, causing two of his subordinates uh, drooling for Trump's blood to resign. One of these individuals unethically wrote a book about the case trying to force Bragg to prosecute, and a Democrat Socialist Communist DOJ lawyer was hired by Bragg and went to work in his office to push the prosecution of Trump. Bragg omits any mention of the crime that allows him to turn ineligible misdemeanors into felonies because there is no such crime in New York. And because he has no power to charge a federal crimes 
which the federal government has already determined were not committed, my friends. Now, my friends, there is much more uh, to this. Go read the whole piece at statelymcdanielmanor.com, uh, statelymcdanielmanor.wordpress.com. Uh, this was posted on April the 5th. It's pretty long. Uh, it's very good stuff. And a lot of legalese that's kind of where normal people can read it and grasp it. Uh, statute of limitations, issues, uh, misdemeanors, felonies, how, how they're trying to turn misdemeanors into felonies. Uh, many important angles there. This case is absolute trash. I think you probably know that. Uh, and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you like Trump, hate Trump, love Trump, whatever. This is bigger than Trump, bigger than Republicans, Democrats, bigger than all that. It strikes the very essence of one of our key liberties in America, the right to a fair trial. And these games that are played by uh, the legal system should not be allowed, quite frankly. Uh, and not just for a former president, not just for someone seeking a presidency, uh, but for you, me, whoever. And Bragg is up to no good. That should not surprise you because he is definitively a uh, a hack in the tank for Soros. We know he's bought and paid for, let's be honest. Um, and that's it, my friends. Just want to get that out. Thank you. I hope you enjoy your weekend. It's wet and nasty here. God bless you. Remember, the three golden rules of life are this. If you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And go Gators. I will talk to you most likely tomorrow. Uh, Y'all be good. Behave. Eat your vitamins. Say your prayers. All that stuff that some professional wrestler used to tell you. Enjoy your weekend uh, until we talk again. Y'all be good. Behave. And sorry about going a little over time. Take care, my friends. God bless.